What would you do if you could do anything? I'm Elena, and welcome to The Purpose Effect, conversations with women about living lives of purpose. I speak to women who have started businesses, turned their passions or side hustles into careers, or dedicated their lives to helping others. In having these conversations, I'm learning how to identify purpose, how to go after it once you've found it, and what life looks like on the other side. If you're looking to dive into your purpose, these stories will definitely inspire you to take the plunge. Today, I'm talking to Nicola Hassan. Nicola is the founder and managing director of Avantex, a brand experience consultancy here in Kuala Lumpur. When she isn't devising new brand and marketing strategies for clients like Tiffany & Co, Rolls-Royce, or Huckleberry Food & Fair, Nicola is in search of new ways to live better. We talk about her wellness journey, how to find harmony rather than balance, and how the COVID-19 pandemic has changed the way she looks at her life and her business. Hi, Nicola. Welcome to The Purpose Effect. It's such a pleasure to have you here as, aside from being a successful business owner and branding and marketing guru, I wanted to talk to you about your wellness journey and what you've learned on your way to striving to live better physically, emotionally, and intellectually. Sure. Thank you for having me. So I want to kick off by asking you the question that I ask all of our guests on the show, and that is, how do you define purpose? Purpose for me is that magic click factor. And what I mean by that is there's going to be pursuits that you've sort of, you know, um, I guess, tackle or that you go through. And there's just going to be something there that despite the ups and the downs, and there will be downs, you still want to persevere and and go through with it. And that to me is how I would define purpose. And what is the part of your life that you feel you're most in purpose or in flow with? Is it your work? It would be, but I think it's more just the act of like communicating. Yeah. And, um, and that's my purpose, I think. Um, yeah. You know, I know it's a very Gemini trait, yeah. <laughs> but uh, what we just discussed, but it also goes into obviously the work yeah, that I do. Yeah, storytelling, um, isn't it? And, uh, that's yeah. the thing that's so interesting for me. And I guess for you, it's through marketing and brand storytelling. And for me, it's it's through this, uh, telling women stories of purpose. And it's been other mm-hmm. ways of storytelling mm-hmm. in the past. But let's go back to the beginning. You studied journalism in Sydney. Yes, that's right. So I studied journalism in Sydney. Yeah. So I was in Australia. And then I did my uh, master's of business there as well in marketing. Um, And journalism was a really great way to sort of hone in my craft on writing, but storytelling, but with a purpose. Um, and then from there, um, you know, I was involved with, you know, the, we had our campus newspaper and, Mm -hmm. uh, things like that. And I'd been involved in some way or another with journalism without realizing it because even growing up in school, I was like yearbook committee or like, I'd want to, I wrote like, I think in in our senior year, we had like a supplementary magazine that I produced, um, just because I wanted to, that had, you know, creative writing, short short writings by fellow students. And I wanted to edit that and put it together and produce it. So it's always sort of just been very intrinsic for me. Yeah. 
And then after graduating, what, what were you doing? I went into PR. So, mm -hmm. and that was actually completely by, it was like a fluke thing. And what happened was I was actually interning at a newspaper, at a daily newspaper. Um, yeah. During sort of like the final year of my journalism degree. And, um, and I really liked the writing part. I liked the meeting people part, but I didn't like getting assigned to different desks. You know, um, there were only specific topics or that I was into. And so I was sort of telling my classmate about it. And I was like, you know, I don't know if I want to go into journalism um, mm -hmm. because of these things. And then he was like, you know, have you thought about PR? And I was like, what's that? <laughs> and he goes, you know, that when we get those press releases, when we're issuing, you know, we're issued press releases to write our stories, there's someone writing those press releases. And I was like, what? Really? And then that's when I went into it, like looked into it. And I was like, oh, this is so interesting. And, um, and I actually landed an internship at a boutique lifestyle agency, totally up my alley because yeah. it was dining, it was lifestyle, it was fashion, it was hospitality. Um, every, everything that I understood, right. but I didn't know I wanted to build a career around. Um, and so it was very much just being at the right place at the right time um, to be introduced to the owner of the agency. And from there, I, I, I worked full time and worked my way up through the agency. And I just absolutely loved PR, you know? Yeah, I can imagine. I mean, it sounds mm. uh, amazing and very glamorous and super fun, particularly as uh, one of your first jobs in your early 20s in Sydney of all places. Um, so I guess you were covering a lot of restaurant openings or store openings. Yes, yes. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And fashion week and all of that. So it was such a great way to be exposed to these, you know, different facets of lifestyle in a professional context where you're learning, you're growing, but you're also just so inspired and you're fangirling. <laughs> it was also, it's sort of the time when Sydney was just like, Sydney was just becoming a city known for, for like its foodie culture, like the advent of the celebrity chef was just starting then. And one of my clients, um, so one of my clients was Hugo's in Sydney. And so they're, they're really well known for their pizza bars, et cetera, right. Award winning. And yes. one of the owners, he's, he was a TV chef and he launched his first book. So I was involved in the press junket for that. And mm -hmm. that exposed me to the celebrity chef culture yeah. And, um, and I think, and that time is what really sort of cemented like my passion for dining, you know, yeah. and understanding the ins and outs of it because I was exposed to it. Yeah. It's very funny. You mentioned Hugo's and here's another place where our lives have kind of overlapped because <laughs> I spent uh, a university summer working in Sydney and, uh, Hugo's was our go-to place on the, on a Friday night, I think Friday night and the pizzas. Yeah. I remember the pizzas <laughs> so well. <laughs> Weren't they amazing? Yeah. They were so they were amazing. So good. I can almost yeah. still taste them. I know. I know. I miss them. Yeah. Because I, I think it's close yeah. now. Yeah. Um, yeah. So then after all of this, what brought you uh, back to, and back to Kale? Family. So I wanted to move yeah. home after 10 years in Sydney. Um, and it was 10 years was great. I, I definitely recommend like for you, you know, I think everyone should sort of, if they have the opportunity and the means to, they should go overseas to live 
as an, and find their independence. Um, and so I did that for that 10 years. And in that time, you know, um, towards the end of it, I thought, okay, this is my time. This is my time to go home and, yeah. you know, and, and be the woman that I am now and take that home and basically, you know, spend time with family, reconnect. And also kind of, I wanted to be working, you yeah. know, in my home country as well. Like I, I wanted to be a part of yeah, the ecosystem. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So you came back to Malaysia and originally worked in corporate communications for Pavilion, mm -hmm. including on their listing on the Bursa Malaysia. Yes. And then you decided to set out on your own and start your own agency, Avant X. So tell me about this journey. You call Avant X a brand experience agency. So what does that mean? So I think we didn't, I didn't want to sort of just be an event agency or a branding agency. Yeah. It's sort of very holistic, you know, I think our approach and brand experience is everything that's, you know, all the different touch points. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot, there's millions of touch points if you actually think about it. But the idea that I have and the approach that I take to branding is how do you then get your brand or get your offerings and services and products to the right target audience and have it that it's so immersed in their day-to-day -day life that it becomes a necessity. Yeah. You know, and that's, that's what I do. And that's the craft that we're trying, that we try and hone day in and day out for our clients. And how, how do you do that? How do you make some, a brand so ubiquitous, I guess, that it needs to be part of your day? I, it's very much about that emotional connection. Yeah. You know, that's one thing. Um, the other thing is, of course, the integrity of the brand. Does it deliver? Yeah. As much as you can hype something up, it's got to be, you know, it's got to be a good product that's sound, um, that, you know, sort of exceeds expectations if not mm -hmm. fulfills it. Um, so those are kind of the key things, you know, there in terms of making sure that you're establishing a brand that then becomes something that is a necessity because you're, you're fixing a problem, you know, you're, yeah. you're fix you're finding solutions to someone's day-to-day -day life to make it more seamless or easier or lighter or ha happier. Right. Yeah. Um, that's ultimately what we're doing. And um, when it, when all of these sort of ingredients combine, what you get is a really successful, sustainable yeah. brand story um, and business ultimately. Yeah. So I, I guess it comes back to storytelling again, mm -hmm. right? This is, this is brand storytelling yes. across all of the different touch points that, uh, that a consumer might uh, experience the brand. Exactly. What about the, the culture and the team that you're trying to build? Um, what are you looking for? What are you trying to, what, what is the experience that you're trying to create um, for your employees and for yourself when you, when you go to work every day? Okay. I'm very big on personal growth. So that's something mm -hmm. that I look um, for, for myself every day. It's got to be something that will, you know, yeah, will, will challenge me, but in a way that I enjoy. Um, and for my team and when I'm building, um, it's very much about making sure that they are also growing as individuals and also that we as a team are growing and, you know, um, improving and succeeding and that sort of thing. Yeah. <laughs> How has the last year been for your business? How has it changed the way that you've been looking at your business or looking at the direction that your business was going? Okay, well, it's actually worked out because a couple of years ago, um, I actually made that decision to sort of shift 
a few things in my business model. One mm-hmm. was doing less on ground and more offline. Okay. Um, and it just, it just because it was more efficient that way, yeah. you know, and also I'm looking at as a business owner, I'm looking at the, you know, red ocean, blue ocean and the events industry. It was overly, it's overly saturated. If you want a micro agency, there's someone, if you want a huge, you know, production yeah. house, there's, there, there are options as well. And I was kind of wanting to get out of that space. Mm-hmm. Um, as much as it serves me, I was sort of needing to move on from it. And so that happened about two years ago. And we shifted then to um, more sort of everything's sort of just brain juice, brain juice, <laughs> so to speak. And yeah, so it, it's a lot about, you know, conceptualization, it's ideation. Okay. And all of that can be done offline, right? Um, yeah. And so when the lockdown happened and we started having to work remotely, it was almost, it worked out almost better for us because we were cutting down the running around to see clients yeah. when that time can now be saved to a brainstorm, ideate, B, execute, C, kind of rest the brain a little bit and, and, you know, look at other things so that we can come back to our topic at hand a little bit more fresher as well. Yeah. So now Mm. um, the focus is more on, I guess, the the strategy behind the storytelling rather than, you know, the uh, on-ground events or, or product launches. Yes, exactly. Yeah, there's a lot of launches, in-store events, um, you know, presentations of like new collections and things like that, Um, like media launches and things. And I love them. You know, I love my media friends. We still, you know, I still stay in touch with everyone and and they really are dear friends to me. Um, But I feel like um, that aspect of like going to events and all of that, I I don't know if it's because... um, you know, I, I sort of tapped into my introvert side or what, but it, yeah. it just became a little bit less enjoyable and just more taxing for yeah. me, um, just energy wise, you know, yeah, physically taxing. Yeah. Physically. And just, you have to sort of just be on, you know, and that, that yeah. energy level, it, I felt zapped after a while. And, and I was like, okay, let's relook at the, is this something I want to keep, you know, doing? And, and normalize this feeling or is it something that I want to sort of, you know, maybe kind of revisit later on and kind of just look at more of a consulting sort of agency, um, setup. Mm-hmm. And like you said, you know, just do the ideation, the conceptualization and the follow through, but in a digital sense. Yeah. Yeah. And has, so has this shift also changed the way you look at entrepreneurship? Oh, absolutely. For sure. I mean, I think entrepreneurship, if there's anything this past year has taught anyone who is a business owner, it is to be as flexible as possible. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, You know, and, and to roll with the punches, um, and control what you can control and not stress over what you can't control. And there's all these, you know, and, and I read a lot of literature and on, on mindset and all of that, which obviously then, yeah. you know, would, would, um, you know, impact how I sort of run a business. Um, and you know, all of them talk about this sort of thing. I've talked about flexibility yeah. we talk about, you know, um, lateral thinking and all that, but until you're thrown into it because you have no choice, but this is kind of just the way life is right now. You don't realize the importance of these as you're building blocks, yeah. you know? So is there something you've read in the last year that has really resonated in terms of shifting your focus? 
Oh, absolutely. My favorite at the moment. And I, and honestly, I reread, like I'll reread like a page or sometimes it becomes a chapter like every few days is James Clear. Um, I absolutely love, um, I love his book. So that, so if I'm not sure if you all know it, but it's basically, um, just pulling it out here is Atomic Habits. Yes. And it's a bestseller, right? Like it's, it's been on the, I think it's been on the chart for year for a few years now. And what he talks about is building good daily habits and breaking the bad ones and how Mm -hmm. to do that. And I think I reread it and I revisit certain chapters because there's always a time where you'll have a lapse or you kind of, or you kind of mastered a certain sort of aspect of it. And you're ready now to sort of hone in on the next step. So that's why it's become almost like a manual for me that I revisit weekly. Ah, I'm going to have to, I have a copy of it. I'm going to have to actually sit down and start reading it um, because many people have uh, have recommended that to me. Yeah, there's a really great, what I like about it is I'm a visual learner. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, there's, he, he throws in some charts here and there and there's this really cool, um, you know, line chart where it's basically saying, okay, on one axis, it's your results. The other axis is time. Mm-hmm. And what happens is, the more time, so it's like a, it's a little bit flat at first um, for the line to take off. And when it's flat for so long, that's when people lose hope and they right. lose interest or drive because they're like, nothing's happening. I'm not getting the results. I'm spending so much time doing this. Um, where are the results? And what he's basically saying with this graph is the exponential growth will come. You just have to stick to your daily habits and you will get the results that you're after. Um, and I really like that. So it's like consistency. Yeah, it's about consistency. And then you will have that breakthrough moment Yeah, where, every, where what you've envisioned in terms of your goals will manifest and will, will happen. And um, so I like that because, you know, visually I'll, I'll picture it in my head when you have those mm-hmm. moments where you kind of go like is this working, you know, is, is this actually, you know, like leading to something? And, um, so yeah, so I really like how he's, um, yeah, how he shared all his knowledge. When you say you're a visual learner, is visualization also something Mm. that you use for goal setting or working through uh, a problem in any part of your life? I do. Yes and no. Um, I am a believer in visualizing in the sense of if there's something that's sort of, how do I say this? Okay. Well, what I'm rather, what I'm, what I am not so keen on for me is over visualization. And right. I think that's a very easy tendency because then you become dream, a dreamer. Yep. Um, I, for me, it's about like, I love to dream too. Like I'm a cloud chaser. Like I love, I am that person too. But when it comes to achieving my day to, or my goals and not even day to day, but even my bigger goals, it's, I've also got to set things that are within reach, yep. right? Because the idea here is to succeed. The idea here is not to not to fail over and over and over again and then lose yeah. lose your sense of purpose, right? Um, so when it comes to visualization, I do it, yes, but for the more tangible things yeah. that are within reach and it's kind of just pushing me over that finish line, yes, that's when I activate that visualization. But I'm not big on the concept of manifestation just because yeah. I feel it's borderline dreaming 
Mm-hmm. Um, because I, I mean, I love it. Yes. By all means, dream big, have all these goals and things like that. But I feel like sometimes you need to learn how to crawl before you can start imagining how you're going to win the Olympics, you know, um, yeah. like in a hundred meter run or whatever it might be. Um, so yeah, so that's kind of how I look at it. Yeah, I 100% agree. And I think you've just touched on a really important distinction there between dreams and goals. Um, Mm -hmm. Dreams, as you say, can be like ephemeris, you know, just these big picture things. Whereas goals, there are practical and measurable steps you can take uh, to achieve them. Mm -hmm. And a dream could be totally out of this world, right? It could be, I want to explore space. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. A goal would be something that is actually realistic. And yeah, I'm not trying sure. to say that in, I'm not trying to say that in such a way as to mean that, you know, mm-hmm. ordinary people are not capable of big things. That's not what I mean at all. But if you look at yourself and your resources and your network, mm-hmm. is it realistic mm-hmm. for you? Um, yeah, I, I, I completely agree with, uh, with what you were saying. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that atomic habits and some of the mindset practices that you have segue quite nicely into your wellness journey. Yeah, Wellness is something that you are very vocal about and has been a big part of your life. Yes. Was there something that triggered this interest in ways to live well? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. There are a few things actually. And this I've, I've actually not spoken about so much before. Um, but one was actually sort of my own health and, mm-hmm. um, you know, it was hormonal health. Right. Um, I, I was, I, I thought it was normal to be like out of action for two days every time I started my period. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I was completely just like passed out in bed for two days every single time. And it got worse and worse in my twenties, um, that I'd have to be calling in sick to work. And I knew that it was going to be happening. So I call in sick in advance and just tell them and, and everyone kind of knew, okay, we get it. Um, and then I just, and I just sort of went one day and said, no, this isn't normal. Like, I don't want to live my whole life like this. And we've got to figure out what's wrong. And so I went through the tests. I went obviously to, to the OBGYN, et cetera. But I also then went to a wellness doctor that a friend recommended. Um, and, I really resonated. It just clicked for me mm-hmm. with her because I liked her approach. I mean, with functional wellness, it's about treating the root cause and it's also about finding that harmony and balance in your body again yeah. and not just giving you synthetic sort of stuff that's just going to band-aid or like a mask, but the problem and the ailments are still there, yeah. right? So I just love that. And and um, and once we sort of fix my hormone imbalances, then everything else kind of just clicked as well. And you just realize that everything is interrelated, you know, in your body, everything. And um, so that was one trigger for me. The other trigger was my parents. So my father uh, passed away from cancer a few years ago. It's okay. And um, one of the things that I learned from his, you know, his experience was like, I would, I, I would not wish this on anyone. Cancer is terrible. And, um, to have, to see him go through it and, um, and to be in such pain Mm -hmm. and us to feel helpless. Like I just didn't want to a be that person to, to be sick. And I also didn't want to put that sort of sadness on my loved ones. So it's about, it's about trying to prevent the big C as much as possible because we've all got, you know, 
we've we've all got the cells right and and lifestyle now in the modern day age um doesn't help so there's a lot that i do now to try and sort of um combat inflammation Mm -hmm. like that's my purpose now with my wellness is how do i lead a life that is as anti-inflammatory as possible and what do you use then because i think that's (laughs) something that's certainly interesting for me, interesting for a lot of women, like Mm. what you were saying about how, about hormones. Um, Okay. Yes. The hormones, everything starts with the hormones, particularly for women and particularly for women um, from mid thirties onwards. Yeah. Um, So what are, what are you doing to combat inflammation? Well, with, uh, with the hormone side of things, um, there's actually some really good supplements out there to help balance things out. So whether you're estrogen dominant or, um, or, you know, you might have too much testosterone, et cetera, there are different things out there. You have to remember with wellness though, it takes time because it is natural. Mm -hmm. So it's one of those things as well, where you're not going to take, you're not going to pop a few of the supplements. And then within a week, you're like, oh my God, I feel I feel mended, like yeah. I'm there. It's going to take six to 12 months or something, you know, yeah. depending. Um, and it's a lifestyle change as well because it's not just taking the supplements, but you're, you have to make sure that your vessel that the supplements are going into mm-hmm. is in a really peaceful, calm state to receive, you know, and to heal. And that's your diet, you know, yeah. that's your emotional um, energy yeah. as well, your psych- psychological state. And once I realized, I really understood the holistic side of it, then everything just clicked. Yeah. Like I, I, I then had a purpose to my movements, yeah. you know, my daily movements, my workouts. I had a purpose to eating well, not just, it's not about the vanity side of things mm-hmm. of, you know, it's to look good. Yeah. It's not to me, it's, it's very much about feeling good. Yeah. And the, you know, things that sort of help, I think, with like anti, like inflammation and things like that is your, you know, turmeric yeah. um, is fantastic for that, which we, we put like at home, we, we eat a lot of turmeric in our foods. Um, there's also um, curcumin, which is actually, you know, a derived from turmeric. So that's a supplement that I take on a daily basis. That's great for anti-inflammation as well as joint health. Yeah. Um, and bone broth is yeah. fantastic. So that's something we make at home from a scratch as well. Mm-hmm. Really easy to make, actually. Um, Just time and consuming. It keeps for a long time. I mean, yeah, it time consuming. Or time. you can pop it. Yeah, you can pop it into the um, into the pressure cooker as well, right? To kind of shortcut a little bit of the cooking time, okay. and you don't have to deal with it. Um, but I love, you know, I think. But part of the process of making all this is also the therapeutic side, right? Yeah. So, yeah, so those are certain things that I would take for sort of anti-inflammation on a daily basis, the bone broth, the, um, yeah, the, the curcumin, um, black seed oil, yeah. And what about your mental health? Um, how, how, um, how have you been using wellness practices or even supplements to, um, to manage your mental health? Because as you've mentioned earlier, um, being an entrepreneur and running your own business is extremely stressful and has been certainly in the last year. Um, so what are you doing to, how have you learned to manage your mental health? I think one of the silver linings from the past year has been that we've had to set boundaries, Mm -hmm. um, you know, and because otherwise work will just consume every aspect of your life because you're working from home. Right. Yeah. And so setting boundaries has been fantastic for my mental health. And 
doing it unapologetically. Yeah. And I think that's something I think as if you're like, if you're a type A personality, you're, you know, you would be like, oh, I should be able to take it on. I am capable. It's not whether you're capable or not. It's whether you should, yeah. you know, and sometimes and you, want you just to. need to rest. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I think there's this whole idea of like, oh, how are you? I'm busy. I like, and busy being a good thing yeah. and busy. And there's a pride in being busy. And I feel like now it's great because we're normalizing the fact that, no, it's okay for me to hit pause. Yeah. You know, and I'll, and I'll still get the work done. I mean, I, I'm not to say that you're irresponsible to clients and delivering your work, but you still, you would have to sort of compartmentalize. And that's what I've learned to do as well. You know, so my timing in my days or in my weeks, my scheduling is in such a way that I do have harmony. It's not about balance because I think that's kind of also not so realistic. Mm -hmm. There's not going to be that balance um, because things happen. That's life. But I think it's living a life of harmony. That's, that is very important. Um, And that has been probably the most, um, I guess the most advantageous part about this whole year for my mental health and growth. Yeah. I think that, this year, there has not been that expectation that you need to be everywhere because you can't mm-hmm. be. Um, you yeah. certainly can't be safely. Um, so I think that's helped everybody slow down and also helped people realize that um, maybe no one actually really ever wanted to be everywhere. It was just this feeling that we felt we had to. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think mm-hmm. I think certainly it's helped people evaluate what are what are the things and the places in my life that I really need to be and and what can can pause for now absolutely it's prioritizing right I think that's yeah yeah that's right for us yeah um we've had to prioritize because we've had no well we haven't really prioritized but we've had no choice but to slow down which has made us Mm -hmm. rethink our priorities Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so are there now non-negotiables for you in terms of looking after your health or your wellness? And, and I mean that holistically because I'm talking mm-hmm. not just about your mental health, but also your physical health and your emotional health. Oh, absolutely. Um, what are my non-negotiables? Got? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm very much a creature of habit. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so I do have, yeah, routine is something that I have and I keep. Um, and and also, sorry, just to touch base on this, we're talking about hormones, but yeah. my routine and my lifestyle is very much based around my hormone cycle. So okay. I, it, this makes sense to me. Like once I read into it and, and things like that, um, you know, during different phases of your hormone cycle, it's just your physiological sort of state is shifting. There's changes happening in your body hormonally and biologically. And mm-hmm. I think once I understood what those changes were and how they would impact my lifestyle, then I was able to kind of tweak my lifestyle tour to, you know, to fit my cycle basically. So the way I eat, for example, or uh, the, the supplements that I take or the type of exercises that I'm doing is very much now based on my cycle. And now I'm like living in harmony with it. I mean, I'm, I am that person that a few years ago, like had the most chaotic cycle, you know, like I was the, I was the one who was like, okay, I'd have it in a month and then it would go three months and then what? And it was so unpredictable. And now everything's very much on track. And, and I feel like me sticking to sort of the structure that is, I guess, 
an offset of my hormonal cycle, those that's that's been my non-negotiable sort of routine, you know, um, that I follow. So I don't know. Do you want me to delve into it a little bit? So, like explain a bit more? I find that I find <laughs> that, that really interesting. So I, yeah. are you saying that like depending on the time of the month, you might mm-hmm. change your workouts or yes. the food you eat? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So yeah. So if if you've noticed this, so for example, leading up to your period, right? Um, yeah. You will actually feel a little bit more lethargic. Mm-hmm. a little bit, um, you know, you might just, it might just be a little bit more of a struggle to get out of bed. Right. Yeah. And then you'll have those moments where it's like, boom, spring out of bed. Mm-hmm. And that's actually your progesterone and your estrogen doing its thing. Okay. It's, they're do, they're doing what they're meant to do. So the week leading up to your time of the month, when you are a little bit weaker and that sort of thing, I don't like, cause I like, um, I do lift, like I lift, right. right? I, I do lifting and training and strength training. And I will actually, taper that week. So I will, it's a deload week. So I will lift lighter, but a higher volume, but far lighter. Um, it's also the time when your body is, needs more time to heal and recover. Mm -hmm. And because of that, there's a higher chance of injury. So I don't go as intense during that week leading up to my time of the month. And in terms of my diet, I'm taking more iron rich foods and to be honest with you, Lena, like it's not even something that I'm conscious of. It's my body craving it. Um, I, for example, like I am not a red meat person by Neither nature. Neither am I. Uh, but <laughs> another, yeah. thing, we uh, another thing we have in common. <laughs> but like leading up, I'll be craving like steak or okay. lamb. You know, and I, I, and that's really out mm. of character for me. And then I'll sort of check the date um, because I monitor everything, and I'm like, oh yeah, it's yeah. a week out that makes sense. And so it's, it's your body getting ready, gearing itself up, um, for that, you know, for that week. Right. And during that week, when you are having your time of the month, when, you know, Aunt Flo visits, that's actually when you have a lot of energy. So that's a great time to go higher intensity with my workouts. Um, it's also a fantastic time to be just eating really, Mm -hmm. um, easy to digest foods as well. Um, because your system, your hormonal, yeah. your hormonal shifts also affect your gut health, right? So, so I tend to be a little bit more eating on the lighter side because generally I'm just naturally right. more fueled and more energetic anyway. Um, so it's things like that. And you're sleeping as well. Um, you usually will sleep more sound. Um, let's say like after mm-hmm. your time of the month, those that week after, the week of and the week after, I, I sleep like a baby. But then the two weeks leading up, it starts getting a okay. little bit, um, like I'll wake up in the middle of the night or, you okay. know, and that sort of thing. And that's because body temperature. Yeah. Very interesting. Yeah, so um, very interesting. I mean, interesting, to be honest, right? it's not, um, it's not <laughs> yeah. something that I've thought of doing. It sounds like a lot of work, I have to say, <laughs> to Ooh. monitor all of this, um, <laughs> in addition to everything else that's going on in the day. But, yeah. um, yeah, certainly I yeah. have noticed that yeah. <laughs> I, I'm also not a red meat eater, but there will be certain times where I'm like, oh, I, I really like a steak. And mm-hmm. um, to be honest, often I just don't do it because mm-hmm. um, eating too much red meat gives me a lot of digestive issues and I just, uh, I stay away from it. But maybe I should be listening to, yes. uh, listening to my body a little bit, a little bit mm-hmm. more. Yeah. Yeah. So it's interesting. So since you've started some of these uh, practices, you've said you feel a lot more 
in harmony, I guess, in harmony mm. with your body. Mm-hmm. Um, but have there been any other benefits? Are you noticing like changes in your skin or your hair or or you, the amount you can lift? Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, that for sure. Um, that, you know, I've, I've seen progress when it comes to strength training mm-hmm. and things like that. And, and, um, and recovery? when it comes to, oh yeah. And recovery as well. I'm just, I'm not, I'm, I might be sore from a, from a really good solid session like that had taken place the day before, but I'm not like, you know, out of action. Um, so, and joint health as well, like joints are just so much stronger now and things like that because I'm taking the collagen and and the curcumin and all these things. Right. And, um, and also when it comes to hair, hair and nails, my goodness, my hairdresser is like, your hair grows so fast. (laughs) Like he's like, it's the collagen, isn't it? I was like, yeah, I think so. (laughs) So, I mean, I, I'm, you know, it's like once every three to four weeks, I need to have like a trim or some sort of a hair treatment because that's how fast it grows now. Um, so yeah, it's, it's proven to be a little bit, uh, tedious at home. So I'm doing like DIY. Yeah, I, I, I'm, <laughs> My hair stylist. I was going to say this last year must have been a struggle for you. You're right. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And when, and when things were opened up, I was like yeah. loving it. I was just like, okay, I'm going to go get for a hair there, treatment every two weeks. Now. You know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's been really great and skin definitely from the inside yeah. out. You know, once your, once your body is in harmony, once your gut health is, is happy, everything just kind of lifts. Like there's just a lightness to everything. Um, things don't bug you as much either. Like I was someone who would get, who was quite irritable. Mm -hmm. Like something could just set me off because it wasn't going to plan. And I am so chill now. It's like a 180. Like I just, it's just like, okay, that didn't, it's how I want it to be. It didn't work out that way. That's okay. It wasn't meant to be that way. Let's just make the best of what it, what it can be. And that calmness and serenity, I know for a fact that has come from this, you know, yeah. wellness um, lifestyle as well. Well, I would definitely like some of that because I also can struggle <laughs> to be chill. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Um, definitely going to try and uh, listen a little bit more to my to my body and my cycle and, and see how that changes mm. things. I'll send you some literature. Thank you. I would love that. Yeah. And then I will also yeah. share some of this literature with uh, with all of our listeners because okay. I'm sure it's useful for them as well. Sure. Um, you're also in this unique p- position of being both uh, an influencer, I guess, on Instagram, as well as working with influencers as part of your job um, and your business. So you see both sides of the coin and mm-hmm. Instagram also can can be, I mean, while it's an amazing branding tool, um, it can have a lot of more uh, darker ramifications for things Mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. Mm self-confidence. So how do you balance this and how do you work with partners on Instagram in a way that's healthy for you? Um, Well, I think for me, whether it's working as, you know, I guess, the person working with the brand um, and representing as an ambassador and advocate, or if I'm engaging influencers for a brand, Mm -hmm. um, there are a few things I look into. One is that authenticity of the brand. Um, For me, it's very important to work with brands that really believe in a mission um, and something that is going to provide betterment in some way or another for their customers. Yeah. Um, they've got to believe in that. And it, and it's that over commercial to me. I know it sounds really idealistic, but it does 
comes through more and there's a sustainability there um, mm-hmm. as well. And um, the other thing is also like whether it's me working and like a brand engaging me or whether it's me engaging influencers for a brand, I look mm-hmm. at that authenticity of the connection as well. Is this real? Is this natural? Is, you know, like if, if someone is, if there's an influencer that I need to work for, work with for, let's say my skincare brand, yeah. but, you know, and they're, they're fantastic and they're great at what they do, but they're a makeup person. They're, mm-hmm. they're, you know, they're, their skin, you know, uh, might not be as flawless, but they're fantastic at, at shading and they know how to do all that. They might not be the right fit. Yeah. You know, um, so it's very much about looking at, um, yeah, the authenticity of things. Yeah. And that's how I've sort of gauged it and approached it. Yeah. And for you yourself, do you struggle with putting yourself out there openly on Instagram? Yes, absolutely. I mean, you know, I've realized that it's, I I was reading somewhere, someone was saying like, it's therapeutic to kind of put yourself out there, like the vulnerable and the, and, Mm -hmm. um, and just show the realness of life. And I, and I, and I'm slowly starting to embrace that now, um, because you, you know, you read so much and about, um, like you said, the dark side of Instagram is showing just just all the success stories yeah. and all the highs, but you're not showing the lows. And not to say that I would sort of show every aspect of my life. I mean, part of Instagram is choosing what you want to depict and what you don't. Yeah. But I do now understand the importance of embracing the realness yeah. you know, of life. Yeah, I agree. Just showing yeah. that it's not all perfectly manicured feeds and and some days things are a struggle and for mm-hmm. many people sharing that is helpful but I agree mm-hmm. it needs to be done safely like you don't yes. need to put everything out there mm-hmm. for everyone yeah and especially because like for me when I'm when you know yeah wellness uh, you know uh, and strong mindset etc is is those are very much topics I'm interested in and what I share on my Instagram mm-hmm. but it's also what's worked for me yeah, And like you mentioned, like if you overshare, it actually could be counterproductive because it could trigger something for someone or That's true. it might not be the right fit for someone. And you are talking about mental, you're, you're talking about wellness, you're talking about well-being, you're talking about health. Um, and I think at the end of the day, it's also, you know, making sure that whatever I share, I share responsibly mm-hmm. and I think it through in terms of messaging. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I guess always being clear that this is something that you're doing because you, but everybody is different and yes. and every physical body is different and what works for, for one person doesn't exactly. necessarily work across the board. Yeah. Yes. That's right. Okay. And just, um, just to wrap, wrap this chat up, which has been so interesting and seriously interested in some of the, that you've been practicing with your wellness and how much that has improved your, your well-being and, and your, and your life. Um, but if you could go back in time and give your younger self a piece of advice for the future, what would that be? It would be to trust Mm -hmm. in time and, and that there is time for everything that you don't have to rush something that, um, pursuing your goals doesn't mean having to force something to happen if that makes sense. Like there is a difference between being a go-getter and just being 
really just too intense yeah. <laughs> about things, yeah. you know, and, and understanding that you might not have ach- achieved the goal the way you had envisioned mm-hmm. that journey to be, but you've achieved a goal in a different way and just being very open and receptive to that. That's what I tell my, my younger self. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think, uh, <laughs> that life is not a straight line, right? Um, mm. sometimes the way you get to your goals can be very roundabout. Um, yes. and just because you got them, got there in a slightly different way, that doesn't make them any less value. Um, yes. it doesn't, and doesn't make you any less valuable. So, exactly. so yeah. Great. Well, thank you for this, Nicola. It's been really, really interesting and inspiring chat. And, um, yeah, I look forward to seeing some of that literature about hormonal health and, and cyclical health and, and also sharing it with some of our listeners. Okay. Thank you for having me. Trust in time. I don't think there is a better way for me to sum up this chat with Nicola in slowing down and listening to her body in achieving harmony over balance. Nicola is living better than ever. And I think there's a lot we can all learn from that. If you enjoyed this chat, please subscribe and please share it with any and all of your friends who are interested in living lives of purpose. I always love hearing your feedback, so do slide into our DMs and let us know what you think or which inspiring woman you would like to hear from next. Until then, see you next week.